All right, here we go. In the house 2.0. First time in a while. Uh, Scouse, you're not on the mic right now because I needed four. Well, I've only got four mics and i got five people. So uh, we've got a big show. As you all know, we normally don't do these all the time. We wait to go big. So we brought in the big hitters for this one, Scouse. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I, I reached out to these these guys and they were, they were chomping at the bit to come out and talk to uh, me and you. And... Um, you know, and I, I couldn't think of a better time and better place to do it. And these guys are off tonight. You know, we're off work right now, so what a better time to do it. So we're done here at Saints. Thanks to Bruce and his team for getting us out here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, like most of these times, we just kind of go off the rails. I'm a little intimidated, though. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I am, too. Because we've, I mean, we've done, you know, we've got the ESPN people. We bring those in, the CBS. But yeah. we've got somebody that has a title that scares the sh- out of me oh yeah me too it's called head of high performance yeah what is that i don't know but it's, it, it sounds pretty important that we're definitely punching yeah. above our weight class yeah. right now because yeah. our performance it makes pat sweat yeah it's pretty low so uh we've got Gemma bonner of racing here with us julia twaddle of racing head of high performance scariest crap and then yeah andrew the is back on the podcast again he doesn't have a mic right now because it's probably better he's just laughing at all this right now so <laughs> we'd have to cut all that out anyway so uh, yeah, we're out here at Saints and excited to talk about racing and all kinds of things that's happening here. And, Jimmy, you all are back home for a little bit. I mean, you all have been road warriors, right? Yeah, we have. We've had a lot of traveling lately, um, but it's always good to come back home, yeah. you know, even if it is a bit too hot for me right now, but it's good to come back so home. So right, I've been here 30 years and it's still killing me. <laughs> you know, I don't think you'll ever get used to it, but uh, they all laugh at me in the wintertime because I walk around like this in the winter. You know, I don't need a coat. It's too warm, you know, so. Yeah, so you're back home for like four out of five. And uh, how does a, how does the head of high performance keep everybody performing high like this when it's this hot? What, what all does that involve? The hydration, the performance, or just surviving. <laughs> I think it's mostly about surviving in, in these types of temperatures. No, but seriously, like, we have a great uh multidisciplinary team and our trainers are fantastic at keeping the girls hydrated when it's this high and this hot so um but yeah i'm i'm so not used to this so i need all the help that i can get from the rest of my team because in newcastle it's freezing most of the time and it rains so so yeah i I need a lot of help when it comes to uh dealing with the humidity of kentucky it's it's different so uh you know the colorado avalanche just won the nhl Stanley Cup and one of the things that they do is they play at a mile high stadium and so a lot of Olympic athletes here in the U.S. go train at mile high stuff so at some point this might become an advantage for you guys once you kind of get used to it but right now it's a little bit rough. Yeah I mean I'm not sure I'll ever get used to it to be honest. I thought last year maybe I'm adapting and then this year like I've never seen this heat Um, but we you know we've started training earlier in the morning which does help, but by the time it finishes, I mean, 10 a.m., you're, like, ready to get off the field. Um, But, I mean, it's nice we have later evening kickoffs now because I think last year we had Saturday, Sunday afternoons, which were pretty brutal when I come straight from England. Um, So, yeah, it's it's something we have to deal with, though. Um, And like Todd said, we have a great team to support us and help us as players and keep us hydrated and... We have so many protocols in place that kind of minimize the effect, if you like, and best deal with the situation that we have. So have you been able to uh, talk to to the gaffer and, you know, suggest that maybe you just play a low block? (laughs) I mean, I'm sure if you've seen his uh, coaching identity, it's all about the high press. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, 
we have to train in it so it's something that we do do um, and like I said we have such a, a great squad um, in terms of players and staff and everyone's kind of pulling the weight because we want to be the best team we can but we've also got to be prepared um, so we play an exciting style of football I think um, it's tough at times for sure but you know it's it's a process we're still very much learning as a group um, but I think the end goal is definitely going to be very productive. Andrew, so I know you probably want to get the, the breaking news right now since you get the first crack at this. Uh, Racing just signed a, a new player. Yes, they did. Yes, so, they did. So go ahead and go ahead and throw it out there, bud. Okay, so yeah, Gemma. I mean, uh, let me throw it back to Gemma because she knows more <laughs> about it than we do. We obviously saw the release and all, all that kind of good stuff. How excited are you to have her join the team? Yeah, super excited. I think. You know, her record speaks for itself. Um, and I think coming from a team like Atletico Madrid, you know, she's, we know the quality that she possesses as a player. Um, and I think, you know, Kim said it in his interview that she's definitely something that the team needs. Um, I think her pure pace, her quality on the ball, she can definitely give us another dimension in the attack. And, you know, like we've just spoken about, he likes to play a high press and I'm sure she'll fit seamlessly into that. Um, but she also comes with the experience of playing at, at numerous teams um, and she's definitely come from a very good team and it's the kind of players we want to be attracting to the club. I sort of want to go off the rails already early and I know I know it's early <laughs> for this but I, I've been at, wondering about this since we're scared of someone's title here, um, head of high performance. So Gemma, when you see Julie walking down the hall, do you sometimes go, oh no, way. I didn't do this the right <laughs> way or do the coaches also sometimes like Kim, like, oh no, here comes Julie, she's going to like... Do the coach have to follow the regiments too a little bit? No, not at all. I mean, Gemma was the one who brought me here, so yeah, that's true. she was a big influence in me coming to this country and to this team, and I'm very thankful for that. So, no, I think I think we all have quite a pretty good relationship, staff mm -hmm. and players, uh, on and off the field, but in a very professional way. And I think we all respect each other, and we're able to not only work hard and train hard, but we can relax and have a good time when we're able yeah, yeah. to switch off in, in, in mm -hmm. downtime. So... There's there's no player that I can think of that I try to turn and turn and turn the other way and and try and ignore them. But no. I think they're more worried that Twads might go home. <laughs> I get asked on numerous weeks, "Is Twads happy? Is she okay here?" I'm thinking, if you keep doing as you told, she'll be happy. If not, she might go. And they're a great group. Like they're really responsive and have adapted to some of the things that I've put in place and some things they don't like, but you know, there's some things that you just have to do and, and they've been really great with that, so. Yeah. So how was life out at the new training facility? You know, you guys, um, I think I saw you out there training um, a few weeks ago when we were having a supporters meeting. Um, so I was surprised at the last meeting we went to that you weren't training there at all. You were down the street at um, uh, another place because, um, was it Thurman? So, yeah, Thurman. So why is that? So you got that lovely training facility. But was that last you were down year, maybe? No, it was a couple of weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. So um, is it just because it's too hot out there or because... The For us, we've always been there um, okay. as the women's team. I know, I think when the, there was a little bit of COVID go around, there was kind of precautions taken. Yeah. And there was a couple of groups kind of training separately. But for the most, like, from what I know... Yeah. Especially the men's, the women's, like our first and foremost, our training facility is ours. So, um, if you guys don't know, you know, Gemma comes from um, playing for Liverpool and Manchester City and Chelsea. Yeah, we won't hold that against you. Yep. 
But um, how does cut her mic cut her mic off right now? <laughs> <laughs> so how do the training facilities here compare to what you've been used to over in England? Yeah, I think from when I first started, um, it's definitely progressed. I think worldwide, not just in England, not just in America. Um, I think at Man City, you know, it, it speaks for itself, the facilities that we had here. Um, I'd probably say it's similar, actually, in terms of Europe and America, in terms of depending on what team you're at, depends on what facilities you have available and mm -hmm. depending on if you have support from the men's side or university or wherever that support comes from. Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, when we were at Liverpool, we were, ch we were playing and training at a rugby ground. Um, okay. And then obviously I moved to Man City, you have everything there. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, coming to racing, it felt like it was obviously a brand new facility, brand new ground, and the ground for us is something very unique. I think in women's football in terms of it's our own. Yeah. Um, it's We can go there when we want. You know, our games are when we want them to have them. Yeah. Um, which I don't think necessarily you can say for many women's team in the world. Uh -huh. um, and I think from the training facility, you know, for a player, we have everything we need. Um, obviously, it's it's not the size of Man City, but yeah. I think for us as a club, the, the community is so small and it's so nice to have the mix of the men's team, the women's team. Everything is equal. Everything is interactive and... You know, you can sit and have dinner and you know how the men's team are doing and they know how we are. And I think it's just a great feel around the club yeah. and around the community. And I think Louisville's such a small place, but it's such a close-knit community too. And yeah. for me, coming into that, it's it's probably helped me settle in very, very yeah. quick in terms of how welcome everybody is. So how have you both settled into life here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky? Oh, it's great. I've, l I've loved it. I mean, um, Gemma's made me feel very welcome. The team's made me very welcome. And it's a great little city and community. And the staff are fantastic. And, like, I'm without a car. So I've got a group of people who pick me up on a daily basis. They'll go, like, do you want to go to the supermarket? Yeah. Like, and are really supportive in that sense. So things like the little home away from home type situation where uh -huh. it's like, do you want to go for a beer or you want to go for a coffee or dinner? or yeah. And it's, it's been great. Everybody I'll never ask you to go for a coffee. <laughs> we can go for a beer. Anytime, Scouse, anytime. Okay, girlfriend. <laughs> before you all came here to Louisville, what did you know about the city? What was sort of like, okay, we know Louisville is known for this. Was, th was there something like uh, maybe bourbon or horse racing that I, was like I luckily have been here, not to Louisville, but I've been, uh, so when I was younger, when I was, because I was in college in the States. So I was in Connecticut and um, and in between like my summers, I would do like coaching. So I actually been to Kentucky before. So I had a little bit of a head up, but I was in Lexington. So, yeah. Um, so I knew a little bit about the, the state. So uh -huh. I obviously knew Muhammad Ali, um, but also Libby Stout. I used to be a teammate of hers back at Liverpool and we actually used to live together. Yeah. Um, and obviously she's she's a local. She's from here. She's born here. So. I remember when it first came up and my dad said, that's where Libby's from, you know? I was like, I know. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's such a small world. And I remember when I was signing, like I didn't tell 
anybody that I was coming. Um, and I didn't even, you know, she was one person that I was going to be like, hey, I'm, I'm signing for Louisville. But it, I never got time to kind of contact her. You know, everything was going on. And the day it was announced, she messaged me. She was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it. And she moved. By the time I got out here with my visa, she had just moved home um six weeks before i arrived and she'd been away for 15 years uh-huh. so she was actually the first person that i met um obviously i landed like i didn't i came here not knowing anybody um and luckily for me she was here six weeks before so i i kind of already had that connection and i'm super grateful for Lib- for libby and um mm. yeah it's so nice to have her yeah so where was the first place she took you once you got here just to sort of show you around the city a little bit well it's funny because she was like i've been away for 15 years i don't actually know um so we just went around nulu um she was like i've heard there's a few cool spaces few spots to hang so i mean nulu's a, a great area it's it's quite close to where we live um so yeah we were very much learning the places to go still together uh-huh. yeah so uh does she say do you know scouse <laughs> she did yeah <laughs> she did i mean she's obviously a huge liverpool fan yeah and she was like you yeah. have to she said she'd been a few times um yeah she went she came to uh molly's a couple of times to watch yeah, uh, the reds said. play with the uh the supporters yeah. group so uh yeah yeah I I mean, once, you've, once you've been a part of liverpool i think libby's like a prime yeah. example and you know yeah. how it feels and wherever you go afterwards you've always got that soft spot for liverpool yeah. because you know that that's um our whole goal is to bring football because i i grew up on the cop you know i, I watched emlyn hughes play and i watched um tommy smith play and ian rush and kenny dalgleish and i've seen them all play right there in front of me but these guys have never seen anything like that you know i've seen malcolm mcdonald at anfield you know and uh you know it's 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 time that people realize what football really is it, it it's it's more than just a game it's you know it's literally can be life and death interestingly just before i came here so i live my, my hometown there is a place called Blythe, Blythe Spartans, mm-hmm. and uh, we were having like a walk along the beach, and it was me and a couple of my mates, and we walked down, and my mate goes, my mate OB went, do you see who that was? And I went, no, no. And Super Mac, Malcolm McDonald, yeah, Super Mac. walked across the beach next yeah. to us, pushing a pram with his little dog in it. Oh, really? <laughs> on, Bly- on Blythe Beach. He was, he, was kind of, he was kind of a beast when he was on the pitch, and he's... Legend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Who were your, um, your kind of uh, mentors growing up? You know, because you, you said you were a Liverpool fan, even though you you were born in Leeds, mm-hmm. obviously, and you came over here. But who were you? Who did you look up to when you were a kid? I think mine, the probably the main person is actually a rugby player, um, Kevin Sinfield. Yeah. I think he's been, you know, I say his name, and people are starting to know who he is now, but. You know, when I was growing up, nobody knew who he was. And I think he's probably been known now for all the fundraising and stuff that he's done for mm-hmm. Rob Burrow and the most in your own disease. Um, yeah. But for me, I was lucky enough to kind of have the interaction and the contact with him from a young age, probably from six or seven when I was at school. And yeah. we used to have the, the players come into the school and do the community stuff and kind of interact that way. And he would always come every year. And mm-hmm. then I would always go, I was a rugby fan, so I'd go and watch the yeah. games. And how, seeing him, how he conducted himself and yeah. 
then I would, you know, I would be at a game and he would see me and he'd be like, you've got the wrong shirt on, you need your football shirt on. Uh-huh. And seeing how he interacted me at, with me, at, you know, I, I could have been any kid just as, as yeah. many as everyone else trying to get his autograph at games because he was the captain for Leeds at the time. Yeah. Um, and probably seeing him and how he held himself, he was never, he was never the star player. He was mm-hmm. never the quickest player. He was never like... You know, he had he had things where he should have been picked and he wasn't picked. And the more I kind of had the interaction with him, the more I kind of was like, okay, this is really shaping how I want to be and mm-hmm. the impact I want to have on people. Because um, I mean, I've I've never been the quickest player. I've never been the superstar. But f- what I saw in him was he just worked hard. He was honest. He yeah. had a great attitude, and he was so personable and interacted and respectful. Um, so I think for me it was it was probably different in terms of a specific role model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I liked I saw how he led the team just by being himself and a natural leader. Um, so that's that's probably who I most looked up to, and had the biggest impact on me growing up. Mm-hmm. How about you, Julie? How did how did you get into being such a big wig? Not a big wig at all. I just like to sit in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How did I get into it? Yeah. Uh, So, in terms of football or in terms of sport? Football. How did you end up right here in Louisville, Kentucky? Well, (laughs) me. Gemma. Gemma By by plane. (laughs) (laughs) She kidnapped me and put me on a flight. (laughs) Um, Oh, God, my story. So, I, I... Grew up playing football from the age mm-hmm. of you know five and played at the highest level um, in England. Played for Do- the famous Doncaster Bells. Maybe when they weren't quite so famous, but football was always my passion, my sport. But I got to the point where I needed to have some form of career. So for me, strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, because at the time when I played, like you made no money, you only had to pay to play. So yeah. so it was it was never a career for me. So. Uh, luckily when I was here I was able to get a degree and get my master's degree in exercise science and I kind of fell into a grad assistantship um, at Central Connecticut as a strength and conditioning coach and that's when I kind of realized that was like a second passion for me so I decided at that point I got my degree but I still wanted to play and at the point of leaving college there was there was no real playing progressions here so at the time I was playing my team at home had become Sunderland so long story short the team I originally played for Cowgate Kestrels that like back in the day they became so I moved from from Blythe I traveled all the time on the bus to Newcastle to play for Cowgate I moved away to college and the team bloody moved to Blythe didn't it <laughs> <laughs> so so Listen, I'm gonna screw with her honestly, honestly, don't read too much into that one <laughs> So then Blythe became Sunderland, basically. Yeah. And so when I when I finished college, Sunderland had finally got into the top tier of football at home. So I was like, I need to keep playing. You know, I'm yeah. I finally got to a better level of football because, you know, college was the best level to come to. So I went home, played football, but also had to start a job because, you know, I had to pay for football. So, um, and kind of started working in sport and stuff like that. So started working for a, an company called the English Institute of Sport which is like a multi-sport government based organisation where you work with Olympic and Paralympic athletes um, and English sports so the English sports would cover like 
England football, so some of the women's football who are currently playing in the Euros. Mm -hmm. It would cover like women's rugby, mm -hmm. but I'd also work with Olympic and Paralympic swimmers and trampolinists and athletes and stuff like that. So, I mean, that was a great base because I worked with so many different athletes across, yeah. you know, in terms of variation, male and female, young and old, able and disabled. So it gave you a, a really good sense of um, grounding and give you an ability to work with someone so say for example if you hurt your shoulder scouse yeah. you know, if I'd worked with a, an athlete who had no arm or part arm then I'd be like that's e really easy because you have to think outside the box when you work yeah. with that person so it gave me a really good background in working with different people of different yeah. abilities um, and it used to be a really good environment because they would all train in the same room together so you'd mm -hmm. have you know a disability swimmer who was a double below leg amputee and he had one arm and he's training with someone like Lucy Bronze or Jill Scott or Steph Horton yeah and, and you know it would just we would train hard but they would you know work really well together so and it, it just gave everybody really humble background in terms of training um, so worked there for a while and at one point I just it was like I really now is time to give back to my own sport and I wanted to get involved in football mm -hmm. so by this time Sunderland had gone down and then come back up as a team and it was when the Super League franchise well, that's what Sunderland do right pretty much same like the men <laughs> and um, and so one of the head coaches who isn't that how we got Jordan Henderson from over there yeah. Jordan. I mean, I'm a Newcastle fan, so I can't really comment too much on Sunderland. But <laughs> yeah, John Joe Shelby. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can take him back. Yeah, Kojak. <laughs> take him back. That's not a true Sorry. fan. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Sunderland had just got promoted again, and the head coach came and said, "Would you like to come and work with the team?" So, got back into football that way. Worked with Sunderland for a couple of seasons. We got promoted into the top league again. And then the opportunity come up to work at Manchester City, and I was like, "This is too good to be true." And that's true. when um, so Gemma smacked you on the head. So this is okay. where. Oh, I wasn't there then. She, you know, she wasn't quite there then, but um, then eventually, this I beautiful was friendship was. Of Liverpool. <laughs> 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 the beautiful yeah. friendship was born when Gemma yeah. came in. So, so yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. like twenty seventeen. Oh no, I was a bit later. I think I joined City at 2019. No, it was must have been earlier. Oh. Yeah, I think it was 2018. That's what it says on the, the computer. Oh. I think so when I looked it up earlier, I, I, I had to look it up. Some research scouts. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. These years rolling. Just don't tell the boss. COVID, miss a few, you know. Um, so how how have y'all have known each other obviously for a good minute now? How has Gemma changed and how has Julie changed since that first time you all met? You go first. Oh. She's not really. She's still the absolute professional. You know, she... Are you blushing? She's blushing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she is. Has a she is. I was you were going to say I've got quicker. That's <laughs> 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 your job. No, she did, get a, she did get a max speed in the last month, so that's always good. Um, no, she's, you know, she's just a great person to work with. She's hard work and she's dedicated. She's focused. She's everything from, from my discipline's standpoint. She does everything that you need and she's not only kind of helping you as a as a practitioner she's out there supporting the other players and the other coaching staff so she's 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 great yeah so no yeah, change uh, I've, I've seen her yelling at some of the players on the back line That's right okay. there you know, needs that. oh yeah oh yeah get everyone else to do your job in front of you and you don't have to do it do you yeah That's you know you just gotta yeah yeah i've seen you <laughs> yeah well no i um we obviously lost our head of performance last year um yeah. And you know they they asked would I know anyone and I was like no, I mean 
I'm in America. Yeah, top I don't, of that. I don't top know of anyone list, right? here. And then it was actually when I was when I was flying home. Um, I couldn't sleep and I was getting so restless and I'm like trying to shut my eyes, trying to change position. And then for some reason, Julie Twaddle's name popped into my head. To make you unrest. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, well, I didn't have Wi-Fi on the flight for some, it was the longest like flight. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna have to wait. I had three flights to get home. So at the next one, um, I just thought I'm just gonna send a message and be like, hey, if, if you want someone, recommend this person. If you need to know any more, Google her. <laughs> I, thought, I thought in my head, I'm so tired. I don't, and I, you know, I'll I'll recommend someone, but see, that's what she thinks of you because if if they Google you and then you come up there with this Newcastle shirt and they go fuck that. <laughs> I thought, you know, I, it's it's still up to the club to decide, you know, yeah. and have they'll have the processes in. So I'll I'll happily put someone forward, but I also realise that they can make a decision. Yeah. Um, so it kind of went quiet for a bit. Obviously, we, we didn't have a manager, so there was a few more things taking priority at the time. Um, and then I, it was like maybe a month or two later. Um, so it was quite late, actually. Um, yeah. I was actually on the train back home from Liverpool to Leeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember falling asleep on the train and waking up to a message from Twads and was like, have you been throwing my name around? Um, and I couldn't believe it. It was almost like it was too good to be true. Um, that mm. they'd actually made contact and we, I think that sparked the conversation. Um, but I think from my point of view, she'd, I've having worked with her at Man City before, yeah. I knew like the quality that she brings. And uh-huh. for me, she's probably one of the most underappreciated staff that I've worked with um, and I think to have the chance of even not anymore the now she can say she's been on the Scouts House podcast I know this is and now added um, to the Google resume yeah yeah, yeah. put it on there please don't Google but me but I think <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah she's she's a great person fits in so well into the team mm. and her knowledge is unbelievable and I think she's made a huge difference to us as a team this year um, you know, she's just said her, her story and the amount of professionalism she's yeah. worked with, a different amount of people, and I think she's been, I'm going to say, one of our best signings this year. Um, Thanks, Jim. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually super happy. I'll pay she's you later. Here yeah. um, just hope she doesn't go home anytime soon. I am too, because there's part of your backroom staff that's actually got a uh, sense of humour. <laughs> I'd just like to say for the record, for all of the racing players, I am happy and I'm not going home anytime soon, except for in November when I have a break. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously both of you have experience over, um, you're playing in England, you're coaching in England. What's the big difference between the teams over there and the teams over here? Because I keep on hearing that the NWSL is the best league in the world, but I think a lot of the guys over there would say, uh, hang on a minute. I think from a player's point of view, they're very different leagues, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in Europe, it's a completely different style. More technical, tactical. You have to kind of break teams down. And you can usually predict how the flow of the game is going to go on a typical day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think over here, also I think partly because of the way that the league works and the system over here with the draft and the trades and... I'm still getting my head around that because some of the stuff that goes on is crazy. Like I haven't figured it out either, <laughs> so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but on the flip side, it also makes it super competitive. So yeah. 
you can't have one team full of superstars. Mm-hmm. Every team has excellent players, and the way the league is, it's it's super transitional. It's very quick. You know, there's there's pure athletes over here. Um, but for me as a player, it's it's exciting to play in the games. Mm-hmm. I would much rather be on the end of the winning games all the time. Yeah. Um, but for me as a defender, it, it almost challenges me in every moment of every game. Did did I hear it right? Was was I there at the game when a certain defender went and scored a first goal at... Uh, how dare you scored it down at the other end? Yeah, I, w- I was right in front of that when Savannah did the kick and then it was right, right to you. Yeah, that I was that was a hell right of a goal. To me or I moved on well, to yeah. <laughs> we'll say it went right to me. <laughs> Great goal. So t- tell me, tell me that feeling. You know, the goal went in. You know, and uh, you know, it wasn't in front of Scouse's house, but it was down at the other end. And I apologize. <laughs> it's the only game I didn't put a Scouse's house cam up down the other end because I got there late. So I said, oh. "Nah, nothing's going to happen down that end. It always happens down at Scouse's and." Jammer. Maybe you shouldn't put That's the camera down there anymore. Uh, I mean, is that... Yeah, well, uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> no, there's, there's, like, yeah. there's more to this. So she only scores when a family member's in town. Really? So... Get your mum on the phone. So she's so she <laughs> scored. She scored. So yeah, it's time's coming. Mm-hmm. So she scored when her dad was here, John Bond, when we Shout were in John bon. Kansas. <laughs> and then the most romantic story ever, oh, which she'll tell you, which she'll tell you, um, which she didn't know about at the time, but she scored that goal, and her boyfriend, Big Willie Iser, had flown. He played a game on the. Did we play on the Saturday night? We played on the Saturday. So we he played, played a game. He played a game on the Friday night. Jumped on a flight, flew all the way here, so 15 hours of flying. Mm-hmm. Got to the airport at Louisville, 7:30. Jumped in an Uber. Got here five minutes before kickoff. And rocked into the stadium, and she scored that mm-hmm. yeah. back flick. So she only scores when only like scores when loved ones are in town. <laughs> so, yeah. John Bon and John Bon and Willie, please, can you come back? It's pretty soon? sweet. We need some more goals. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think at the time, obviously, I had no idea that my boyfriend was in the crowd. Um, but I think probably the past month or so for the team, it's mm-hmm. you know, there's been a lot of kind of things said about the team. Yeah. Um, and I can honestly say, you know, the group's so close. And I think you could see at that moment, whether it was me that scored, it could have been a tap-in, whatever yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. I think you can see how much that goal and the celebration and how everyone came together in that moment. So for me to kind of score, it was obviously my first w, uh, NWSL goal mm-hmm. and for my first goal to score at home. Yeah. Um, so for me, from a from a personal point of view, that was something that I was kind of so happy to do because last year I was disappointed not to score because, you know, I like to think it's a strength of my game from set pieces. Um, so to kind of finally get the first one out of the way in the regular season at yeah. home and, yeah, the moment to have the team there celebrating with me um, and, you know, the bench were right there. And I think that moment, um, I know there's a great, the great picture from that moment you can see both the players playing the players on the side and you know you can see the staff the the group in the background I think that moment really kind of it was a special moment um but yeah I'm, I was super disappointed we didn't get the win of course um but yeah it's, it definitely showed the closeness in the group I think I've always wondered this with soccer players footballers my, my mistake my mistake um when 
you all score goals. Obviously, everyone sort of celebrates. They pick a side to run to and all that stuff. Do you all have your own little bit of celebration that you've already sort of, hey, if I score, this <laughs> like is my Like a hockey celly or something like that? Yes, like I, someone, I think it was um, one of the Lucidity guys did the gritty the other day. Um, like something like that. Do you guys do... Wander? It was Josh, yeah. It was yeah. Josh who did that. But do you all have like something that you no. have tucked away in your back pocket? Come on, like, you know you practice in the mirror no. yeah. Do you know I got a few people messaged me after the game going, what was that celebration? And for me, normally when I score, it's normally in the box. Or I'm like, I've done a header, I'm usually on the floor. Or it's it's kind of like a... It's usually in the box from a set piece, so I'm usually on the floor, t- to be honest. Or I just throw my arms up in the air. So the worm. The worm yeah. is what you're doing. <laughs> so I never have... The easiest right That's right. probably the... I say the biggest celebration. But when I spoke about before, like, the emotion of everything, that was probably just the emotion taking it over of me. And I I don't really know what I was doing. But as I say, like, I think it was the emotion pure taking it over me and actually wanting to celebrate with the team. So I can't honestly say I have anything planned. It's just usually arms thrown up in the air. Is, it, from that one. is it a blur right after you score a goal usually for those, like, that one minute right afterwards? Yeah, I mean, I kind of knew... It was, was a half-decent finish at the time. <laughs> that you get on the end of that wasn't right to you, right, to clarify. Yeah, I mean, I kind of – I saw the gap, and I was like, I'm, I'm guessing. To be honest, I just saw the angle of Sav's run, and I was thinking there's only really one place that she can put this um, due to how she was, like, approaching the ball. So I kind of had to hold my run a bit, and it was a, a great ball into the space. Um and yeah, I mean, I finish like that all the time in training, don't oh. I? Every day, every day. So this is a question for both of you all. Um, the dynamic of women's soccer football here in the United States is a little bit different than it is in other parts of the world as far as the success that's been had for quite a while. So coming into this landscape to where you have all these young girls that are following it so in, endeared to it and so tightly, it's different than what it is for the men's side, where the men's side has not had success on the world landscape, where the U.S. women's national team has. Has there been a different feel for what you've seen for the women's game here in the States versus what it is in England and other places that you all have played? I think definitely the fans. Um, I mean, to say that last year was our first year as a club coming in as an expansion team, the amount of fans, the amount of season tickets that we sold for sure you know we're always striving to sell out the stadium um but also we realize that that comes with consistently winning you're always going to attract more when you win more games but as a foundation and what we built i think the fans and how they you know they're super supportive here and they want everybody to do well um and i think as a player you really feel that connection with them um so that's probably one thing you know it's it's probably I mean, I say it's struggling in Europe. It's You've just seen the crowds for the Euros, and that's on an international level. And I think you'll get the crowds in Europe more so when you play at the bigger stadiums. But I think over here, you have such a community, and you know we have an unbelievable stadium that we play at that everybody wants to come at. So it doesn't matter whether we play at a small stadium, a big stadium, we usually get the support. Um, so I think that was a big thing. I was almost a bit surprised that, wow, you know what, we're a new team coming in this league, but yet we're one of the highest averages in terms Second of... Second last year, I believe, in attendance. Yeah. 
but you know some of the games it's I think our last home game did we get the record last year um, I, I mean so. of course you've got national team players coming and you see the the amount of young girls wanting to come out and support um, you know we have holiday camps at the training facility and once they're finished you know they're all up against the barriers watching us train and I think to see the amount of girls and families and you know we go and watch the W League on an evening and they'll have fans and young girls going out to support them um, I think it's so good to see and it's it's an exciting time to be a part of women's it's football. It's got to be a little bit inspiring, though, too, doesn't it? Because you see this many that are right there, like little minions running around the pitch on the outside yeah. of it, and they're so into it mm -hmm. to where it has to be a hotbed for it. Wherever there's success, people follow, right? People oh, like for to follow sure. winners. And because of what the success has been in the U.S. on the women's side, mm -hmm. on the national team, they get so much exposure, and thank God they finally got the equal pay sorted out. Yeah. But to see that from a, like a grassroots thing, it has to be kind of a nice thing, a little fertile ground to walk into, and kind of refreshing, and almost like, whoa, this actually does exist. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was in their shoes. You know, I spoke to the our young academy um, side a few weeks ago, and I said to them, I said. I wish I was you right now and I said you're probably wishing that you were me but I said the amount of opportunities that you have available um, that you have basically the world at your feet um, one thing I would say over here is that you know there's a big thing about the young players not being able to play in the in the first team and we've got some unbelievable youngsters but due to the rules over here and the university and the college system they're not actually able to sign for us so you know at the moment we've got international players away we have international replacement players coming in but we also have some excellent youngsters that could seamlessly transfer into our team and you know for me it's one thing that Europe's ahead of in terms of if you're good enough you're old enough um, so I think there's so much young talent out there at the moment that they deserve a chance to be given the opportunity to play in the NWSL and, and to turn professional. Um, so that's one thing I would love to see change. And one of those players I know is probably Ella Sanchez, who's yep. absurdly good yeah. at Ballard and is doing a lot of stuff with y'all training and whatnot like that. I know you mentioned the support. What is that feeling like when you're driving... This city, I've always noticed this, even when, when I first moved here, is there's bumper stickers on every car, it seems yeah, like, I've whether it's Louisville or Kentucky, <laughs> Racing Lucidity. Yeah. When you see a Racing Louisville sticker and you are out and about and you see people wearing, and mm -hmm. I, I've, I see it all the time, like you see people yeah. wearing, you know, your kits or shirts yeah. or whatever. What is that like as a member of that team to see someone else in the community wearing the stuff that y'all are yeah. wearing out on game days? To be honest, sometimes I have to kind of pinch myself and realize that you know what they're actually supporting us and you know like you say like anywhere you go you're driving on the road you park in the car there's always a racing louisville sticker or a lucity um you know i i do yoga and i see on the amount of drinks bottles there's lucity there's racing louisville stickers and i'm thinking wow like everywhere you go it's it's there it's in the city you go to kroger the supermarket there's there's merchandise you can buy and for us as players, you know, it, it obviously inspires us, but it motivates us to want to, you know, we're, we're out there training every single day, trying to be the best that we can be. Um, so, yeah, it's it's super inspiring to see. So to that point, uh, five years ago, it was not like this, was it, Scouse? <laughs> it was not like this at all. Uh, six, seven years ago, there was nothing here hardly. Uh, hats off to the person that's actually sitting here asking some questions, Andrew Sharonoff. <clears throat> it's one of the reasons we had him back on. 
He spends a lot of it's the time. the only reason, no. <laughs> well, it's not your looks, let's be honest. I know, I know. That's right. why it's a podcast. That's right. It's not a vodcast, is it, buddy? Um, so it, we've actually had the local media like this, like Andrew, who's puts in a lot of extra time to do this, to help promote this. Mm-hmm. It was not like this. I mean, I know if you go ask Niall, who Niall's a friend of all, all of ours. Yeah. Niall's a good sounding board for this. To mm-hmm. see, like, because we get on different, and we don't try to get too much on Scouts House on the message boards with stuff. When local radio is not even telling the scores the next day, but they're telling them something about a scandal somewhere else, mm-hmm. it just crawls all over us. But it's people that are championing this that helps and goes. So when you talk about the grassroots thing, first you have like the big scope for like the what's happened on the U.S. scale for the women's side, and then you have it being picked up in the different supporters groups. It's a it's and that's why it feels so grassroots, and that's why you see all the bumper stickers because mm-hmm. everybody actually has a stake in this. The biggest scariest thing is if it. Like, on, for example, on the men's side, if it ever went to MLS, because the fees are so high, we lose a lot of supporters that can't afford the tickets to go. Mm-hmm. You won't see this grassroots where here it's still like something that's part of the community. And you guys getting out in it, coming to the Champions League final, you know, Europe. So that's really important to all this. So, Andrew, great job to what you're doing there. Oh, yeah, and it's something that's been awesome to just sort of see grow so I, I moved here in 2016 and lucidity was just taking off obviously ra- racing wasn't a thought yet i'm sure it was like you know in the, mm-hmm. in the background and whatnot but compared to slugger field and all of a sudden you build this yeah. incredibly nice stadium mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have this training facility and you're averaging thousands of people at every game i mean this whole thing has taken off and it's cool because even w- we'll talk as local sports guys and like sports journalists you know, it, it's one of those cities that racing Lucidity will lead sportscasts when there's games and will lead previews and all that stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. that's not like that everywhere. But I think that goes back to that whole bumper sticker culture of, like, mm-hmm. it's built from the ground up and everyone feels like they're a part of this thing. Um, and you see that the Women's Cup support last year was yeah. insane. Like, I remember I was it's driving by this. coming up again soon. Yes, I know. It's yeah. coming up again next month. That's a teaser yeah. out there. Get your tickets. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I was driving by the stadium. We had someone covering the matches last year there, and I was coming back from somewhere, and our station is on the exit right after, and I think it was in the middle of a shootout because I'm like, game should be uh, over by yes. now. But, uh, <laughs> but I was driving by, and, like, it was packed to the brim. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same traditions now with people when, you know, every game. I know, like, you always see the same people at all the games. Everyone yeah. goes to both, and it's awesome. And no, I, I, I think, think it's fun. What I will say is from a player's point of view in terms of how we feel that support, and I think one thing I've really noticed within our club, players, staff, whatever it is, I think we're super grateful and we feel the support and you know everyone wanting to get behind us and it almost you know I've never been on a team that wants to give back to the community so much and so I think it's it's definitely felt and appreciated by the players but also in return it makes us want to you know go into schools and and go and do the food banks or whatever it is in the community I think our group is you know the first to volunteer to to go out and put it back into the community because I think they realize how lucky we are to have the support that we do. Where does that come from? Is that from like top down or is that sort of player driven? Because uh, it seems like everyone's on the same page when mm-hmm. it comes to doing that. But where do you think that comes from internally? Is it where like a James O'Connor or Brad Estes was or is it just how the players operate? And, you know, you all have those experiences where you were growing up and met mm-hmm. with player X or, you know, athlete here. Is that where it all comes from? I think it's a bit of both, but I also have to say in terms of how the club recruit people, 
Um, I think a big thing at our club is the culture and you know we want good people as well as good players and I think to create that environment the club obviously do their research in terms of who they're recruiting and the type of person that they are and I think you can you know again Kim said in his interview our latest signing she's she's a great person she's a happy person and they're the kind of people that we want around the club because I think it's infectious um, and it makes it an enjoyable place to be um, so for us going in you know it's it can be quite a intense schedule at times, um, but if you're surrounded by like-minded people and who want to be positive and who want to push you at the same time, then it's it's definitely a happier place to be. Um, but I I think obviously the players have got to want to buy into that. But also it's it's made pretty clear at the club that you know we want good people here and we create a good environment from that. And I know a lot of that is with coaches in front office. And I think they call it the back office there because they don't mm-hmm. want it to be you know, yeah. front, which which is cool. I, I sort of like that mentality, yep. actually, mm-hmm. too. Um, Kim's one of those guys who's new, and I know you all know each other. I'm going to put you all on the spot, and Julie, you may. What is something maybe about Kim that fans don't know? Like, does he have a quirk or anything that you're like, oh, have my. Have you seen the guy? He does not sweat. I've noticed that, and he wears the suit he, no matter how he, hot it is outside. I've never seen a guy not sweat. How does he? Do? I, I don't know. He's superhuman. <laughs> He's superhuman. Super cool. Honestly, like he, you know, he wears a full tracksuit to training every day. And we're like, Kim, like, do you need some water? Like, do you want this? Do you want? And he's like, nope. nope. It's I'm cold. It's like a hundred degrees today, and he's still in full tracksuit. And it's just like he just does not sweat. So that's the one quirk I know about Kim. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it though. <laughs> The one she dare say. <laughs> so, the last few weeks, one of the things that I get asked on Scouser's house, like I know everything, and I don't. I, I, every game. Why are so many peop- many players going out and none are coming in? But, I've seen over the last two weeks, we've got two ladies out of the academy that are now playing in the... F- the first team and we had a new signer today and I'm not even going to try and butcher her name so Catalana 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 so why is there such a you know players out players in at this time at the middle of the season oh she's given that one to me (laughs) 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 she's trying to keep a job here (laughs) (laughs) no I think Look, as players, I mean, I've been playing long enough to know that players come, players go. It's not going to be the first player to come. It's not going to be the last player to leave. It's yeah. the nature of football. Um, but how does that affect your, the locker room? You know, you, you, you guys live and breathe and play mm-hmm. together and you, you, you're on the road. You, you, you're sleeping in the same hotel rooms and, mm-hmm. you know, you spend your life with these people and then all of a sudden, gone. I think, to be honest... You get used to it. Um, you, I think the respect and the friendships that people create, that's never going to change. Um, but I think from a professional point of view, people also understand that, you know, not everybody's going to be happy in the same environment. Not everybody can physically play. There's only 11 players that can play. Mm-hmm. And no matter what person you speak to, you could probably speak to, you know, every single player in the locker room and they could probably give you... 20 different starting 11s so I think mm-hmm. there's so many different opinions in the game um, that you 
you know, you kind of, you come in, it's your job, you do your job, but also you realise that, you know, not everyone is going to feel the same way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in terms of players leaving, players coming in, it's going to happen. We had the transition of a new coach coming in um, and players who weren't playing, you know, as a player, you want to be playing. That's yeah. There's no hiding. I don't know any player that will be happy sitting on the bench. We also had an incredibly large team, large squad size. And in European football, you know, 2021 is kind of probably the average squad size. You know, in Europe, you're probably a little bit more fortunate. You might have a reserve side or in 23s. Yeah. So you're able to utilize those players and be flexible you know, if and when you when is needed. So I think Kim, who's a traditional European coach, was happier with a smaller uh, squad size. Yeah. And like Gemma said, you know, you get so many games into the season, you start to develop a regular starting side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and nobody's going to be happy, like, if you're sitting on the bench, you know, and you're not playing the minutes that you want to play. And, yeah, yeah. and football is a very subjective sport. It's not, you know, a basketball. It's not a baseball where it's very statistics driven, or, although maybe more so now. But it's very subjective based on the style you want to play and how you perceive players to be playing. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a little bit different to most sports. I think I would also say you would almost be worried if players were happy if they were sat on the bench, you know, and they weren't getting as many minutes because you would mm-hmm. almost question their, you know, their ambition and what they want to do. So I think it's always going to happen when I say it's the nature of the game. Um, and I think, you know, they want to be playing. They're good enough to be playing. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we've had players out, but, you know, the, you look at the signing that we've made today, it's an exciting addition um, mm-hmm. and it should definitely add another proposition for us going forward and as players I think we're such a tight group that no matter who comes in no matter who goes that won't affect how we are as a group um, mm-hmm. we have our standards and you know we I think the club as well know that people come in have to fit into the way that we're playing that the locker room that we've created because um, I think there's been so much hard work done and also like I said before it's a process and we're still very much building um, in terms of the players that we've got and we're, we're trying to, I guess, create the long-term identity of us as, as players and the locker room and how we want to look. Um, so I think all players that come in are, are only going to improve us. So when, when you guys get the um, notifications that someone's been traded, I'm, I'm always curious with this from a player standpoint because I, I have a feeling the coaches know a little bit before the players do and whatnot and the, fr- the back office does or front office does. Do you all are you told about it before like how does that what's that dynamic and i know it's probably different on each situation but as professional athletes who sees this happen all the time like sometimes do the players tell you like i'm leaving or do you hear from like oh this person's like um it's probably mixed because there's so many different scenarios and situations that can come up um and i also think things can happen so quickly that you know there's not enough time for players to be told um so to be honest it it varies in terms of the situation or um you know the players will will usually tell you um in terms you have an idea of what's going on but you know everyone has their own individual circumstances um you know people know oh you know they might be going but at the end of the day when we when we're in when we're training that's our focus so 
some things literally happen so quick that there's not enough time and you know I always say it's the nature of the game things happen players go players come in our job as players is to concentrate on the job and doing it on the field and mm -hmm. I think if we get too caught up in what happens off the field then you know that's when you kind of lose sight of where you're going um, and I think for our squad this year we've we've got a super exciting potential within our squad and it's trying to find that now and find our way consistently in games because um, mm -hmm. you know we you know we had a few good results and everyone was super happy you know saying how good we were and what what a difference it was to last year and all of a sudden you know we had a few results not necessarily go our way and it's like oh the wheels are falling off we've lost players but actually in the reality not not many things have changed um, so I think for us we're, we're still growing um, every week is a new challenge we come up against top class players every single week um, and you know we've we've had a, a bit of a difficult schedule in terms of our traveling and coming back um, so yeah it's I think our squad at the moment is super exciting but we're, we're still learning um, probably we're learning a few harsh lessons in the games that we're playing but for us we we know within the group we've definitely got the quality yeah, and it's one of those things I think even just from watching you all, there are a lot of times we're watching the games and it's like, this team's right there. I mean, we, we it's 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 right there. Like, I mean, how, how I guess sort of what's that next step? It's, it's, still, it's still a new team and it's still building the foundation, right? So, like, what's that balance? And this may be more of a James O'Connor <laughs> question maybe, but um, – of that balancing act that's always going to be there no matter what level you're at or what is we need to build but at the same point win and all that stuff like is that a obviously always want to win right but like but making that foundation set so that it just keeps going in that trajectory i mean we've we've seen this team's going in that trajectory so how much of a conversation is it like hey from year one to year two look at what we've already done let's keep it going and just go on this path for sure, I think, you know, as a fan, you get so high with the high, but so low with the lows. And I think as players and as a club, it's important to put things in perspective in terms of, you know, we're growing here, but this area still needs more work. Um, and I think we, again, we have such a good group that we have those honest conversations. We know as players, you know, we're not working hard every single day to go out and lose on a weekend. Um, and I think sometimes almost that side of it's forgotten in terms of you know what the players are, are giving every single thing that they have but the nature of us you know that you look at the age of our squad and so many players are, are only the past few years out of college so they're still learning in terms of playing professional football and when you're coming up against internationals with hundreds of caps behind them you know you, you realize that teams are going to punish you in the moments when you know you've probably got away with it in other times and I think as a squad, we're definitely learning. But like I say, we have to kind of keep a level head at times. We can't get you know too too upset with the lows because every single time we lose, trust me, it hurts. But every time we win, we enjoy it. But also, it's about finding that we want to be winning more consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think from a performance standpoint and within my role, because we do have such a young squad, it's one thing I try to talk to the players about is discovering what your process is as a player. What do you need to do as a young professional to perform on a weekly basis? 
so you know it might be as simple as when are you doing your grocery shopping or how do you recover best and stuff like that and those are the conversations that we're trying to have to create this culture to win and and you'll find and I think in my experience working with some young players they'll kind of go up and down in terms of peaks and troughs because they don't know what those professional behaviours look like and they're trying to establish Mm -hmm. that process and the things that they need to do to be able to recover well and to be able to train hard every day to be able to perform on a weekend. And those conversations are things that we have, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to make sure that everybody's moving in the right direction. And even, you know, even with some of our older professionals, we still have (laughs) to have those conversations, but... More mature, please. (laughs) Sorry, more mature. For the record, Julie, just... uh, (laughs) They also help us as staff to drive those standards. and, And I think that's really important from where we're trying to move in the whole club and the ethos of the club and we're, that we're moving in that right direction. So, But, some, you know, it's something that um, you texted to me over the last few days um, trying to get this set up. And um, I'm sure a lot of the young kids out there that may or may not be listening to this, but you said something really that kind of surprised me. You have a curfew. Do I have a curfew? Yeah, you've got to. You got oh. yeah, yeah. You got to have a bedtime and a. Is that I right? Mean, I have my nickname in the team is Grandma. Okay, Grandma. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's so something I've probably the older that I've got and the more experienced I guess. Um. I kind of know that I need sleep. I need rest and. I'm usually, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, you're so boring. But I'm like, no, this is what I need to do. If you if you want to see me at training tomorrow, if you want me to be ready at the weekend, then, yeah. you know, I know what I've got to do. And I think, you know, I tell the girls, like, are you doing that because you want to do it? Because you feel like you have to do it? Or mm-hmm. do you actually not want to do it at all? You just want to go home and sleep because yeah. you're so tired. And I think, you know, going off what Twad said, there's, there's players that are still kind of figuring that, you know, maybe they can't do as much as what they used to be able to do in college. You know, um, that, that's the reason why I don't play anymore because <laughs> it takes too long to recover. You know, yeah, I don't heal. I don't heal that quick anymore. Do you know on the flip side? To be honest, I think what most people struggle with is the amount of time that they do have free, so they feel yeah. like they have to be doing something. So it's like, oh, we finished at twelve o'clock. What can we do? We've got the whole day to go and do something. Because yeah. I'm like, we finished at 12 today. Like, I'll I'll usually have a set routine and then lead up to the games where I'll go and do recovery stuff. Or yeah. I'll, you know, I'll go for a coffee, I'll chill. But I'll, I've had to learn that process in terms of, you know what, I can't be out on my feet all day. I can't be out socialising all night because we train early tomorrow, and I've got to I've got to be ready and feel ready myself because. I'd hate to be going to a game at the weekend and be like, oh, I'm tired, I wish I'd not gone out the other day, I'd not gone shopping all afternoon because my legs are feeling it now. So I'm pretty, I guess it comes with the experience. Um, but for me, I'm very conscious of the heat here. Yeah. I think it, it takes a lot more out of you than you maybe realise. Um, so I usually hide inside in the afternoons. Yeah. And I'll just, you know, I'll chill in my apartment. Um if I want to go and socialize with the girls, we we all live in the same place. We can go, but um, sleep's very important yeah. for me. So y- you know, uh, it's funny you should say that because you know my first um, day over here, and I remember coming over, you know, Camp America, and you know, you 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 meet the guy down there at Heathrow Airport, and 
Um, I remember leaving uh, Heathrow and it was uh, like 50 degrees. It was raining outside. I've got a, an overcoat on. I've got my sweater on. I've got a Sounds shirt right. underneath <laughs> and I've got my, my, my vest on and I've got big blue jeans on and I've got boots on. I, I get off the plane in uh, Indianapolis and it's 105 degrees. <laughs> And the next day, I'm in the hospital because um, I didn't drink enough. <laughs> and then five days later, I'm back in the hospital because I didn't drink enough. And it was the same, e- the same right, ER different, doctor. Different drinks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the same ER doctor goes, which part of you got to drink? Don't you understand? You know, and I get it, you know, because mm-hmm. I learned the hard way, yeah. you know, coming over here with the heat. And, um, you know, I don't know what it's like for you guys out there, especially when we're down at um, the Scouser's house and down at a pitch level and it's blistering yeah. down there. I mean, it's it's pretty hot out on the field sometimes and especially we played at Segra the other week and it was the turf and the rubber crumb and Ugh. it was, yeah, it was not nice. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think astral turf should be banned. I, I, yeah, I hate it. I agree. But I think for me as a player, I pride myself on, you know, doing what I can control and doing it well. Um, and I think, you know, if, if I go out because I'm missing out on something or just because someone else wants to me, then it's up to me to turn up and train well tomorrow. Yeah. If I train badly, they couldn't care less, you know. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility to look after myself and learn how best to kind of look after my body. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, we going back on the hydration, we do hydration testing before games. You can... Yeah. So, <laughs> so what is hydration testing? You know, you you, so you mentioned something right there. So we basically on a game day, we basically test their hydration level. So not to be crude, they pee in a cup. They test what the levels are and that shows whether they're hydrated or dehydrated and that gives us a process in terms of if they're dehydrated then what they need to do in order to hydrate within uh, within enough time to be able to perform. So at the beginning of every Liverpool season, the worst day is the first day, and you haven't had your worst first day here yet to lead them all into the death march, but it's a lactate test. Oh, and James Milner that. is yeah, seven times champion. Smashed it again today, yeah. didn't he? Smashed yes, it again. again. I saw Joe that. Gomez tried to keep up with him. It's because he's working for any ideas. Well, it's because Gomez <laughs> is looking for a new contract. That's why he came in second. We all know that story. So what kind of devilish things do you have hooked up since you've already confirmed to the whole squad on this podcast that you're not leaving. What kind of devilish things do you have for the first day back in camp next year? Oh, I've I've already had a good first day. No, my my fitness testing isn't too bad. I think I think in terms of assessing where the squad are from a physical performance standpoint, for me it was more about getting to understand how people move rather than their current fitness level on that type of level that, that type of lactate test. So I want, like, I'm very much a holistic coach in terms of it's all about movement and movement preparation. I'm very much my kind of philosophy is being robust and ready. So in terms of being able to withstand the training methods and and loads and volumes to be able to stop players from breaking down. But what I had to learn this year was what Coach Kim's style was and how he likes to play, and but also how that kind of links in with the style of the NWSL because it's very different. How trying to combine that European and North American style is, 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 is a challenge. So I think it was about working out how he wants to play and what I can do to basically keep players on the field for as long as possible. And so I think in terms of 
the death test. It's not necessarily, would you say the test that we did was a death test? It's probably no. not the worst fitness test you've ever <laughs> done in your life. I mean, it <laughs> if you've not done it before, you go out all guns blazing and it's not a test you want to be doing that because it's, it's basically a one kilometer, so it's 10 pitch runs. So if you sprint the first one, you've still got another nine to go. But if you kind of if you've done it before like I had <laughs> if you're experienced or old <laughs> you'll um you'll you'll tend to pace yourself I mean you obviously have to do a good pace to get but you know some people do it for the first time and go all out and then they're dying for the last 6 5 and it's it's a long slog so what's the time limit that you have to do it all in? I didn't give them a specific time. I gave them she a did. zone. I gave oh. them a zone. <laughs> I gave them a zone. So f I just wanted to see where they're at. Obviously, traditionally in North America, you know, players are coming from the collegiate system, so they generally tend to be mm -hmm. fitter. So they were p they were pretty decent scores. We d when we retested, they were much better and I mean, to when the we level tested, that we wanted. It was reason. Yeah. it was like a complete extreme. It was minus. You probably would whatever. wish for that right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it better when it's freezing or when it's? Oh, <laughs> I'm a cold, like always cold. So I think I prefer this. The problem with any form of testing is you get a specific lung burn. So whether it's really hot or really cold, it still hurts. <laughs> so that you leads to that's crack. that's really interesting because that was the other question I was going to ask you, is that have your metrics changed from England to America for what you see because of the environment that's here and the style of play, to where you're range as you said it has that changed much to accommodate for different environments it's it's actually not been too bad because i think kim was obviously trying to play a possession-based game there are moments where we we transition quite a bit so when we are able to control the games from a metric standpoint it's lower but there are moments when we we also have to be able to deal with that transition so some of the most important things for me are sprint distance and high speed running and our ability to be able to deal with that on a weekly basis so when we train we try and train around a three game week model so sorry a three times game model so say for example if you run 10,000 meters or 10k in a game then the training volume for that week is around 30,000 meters in terms of training so if you play two games in a week you have to adjust what you do around that and if you play one game in a week you obviously train a little bit harder going into the game so that's kind of roughly how we work sometimes it goes up sometimes it goes down based on the weeks but trying to hit those metrics within the week are the most important things so we don't have any really big spikes within a training week because what you know from the research is if you have any big acute spikes that puts these guys at risk in terms of picking up injuries so I think also going back on the testing um, we don't do a huge amount of testing but I think what we do do in terms of towards the strength and conditioning point of view it allows us to test on a frequent basis would you say but in terms of our gym work it's all individualized based on the test and you know we'll we'll do a training block we'll retest we'll get stronger then the program's redone based on what our next kind of phase is um so i think from a player point of view that's so good it's not something we had last year in terms of individualized training programs both pre-training we we do exercises to help our you know the landing to obviously do all the minimization of the injury and then post-training we'll do the strength work and that's where you know i think this season touchwood our squad's been pretty healthy um in terms of our robustness and being able to perform and keeping players on the field and having players come on 
on the field that can change games and are fresh and ready to go. Um, so I think from a player's point of view, everyone's everyone's really bought into it as well on the flip side in terms of, you know, we know what we have to do. We have to work hard in the gym, but you all always see your results from the testing. So it's not necessarily the dreaded testing. You know, some people are asking, can we test again? Because they want to see, you know, their improvement. Right, because they want to see that they actually did something. All yeah. that hard work, the sweat apart, apart from the run test. They don't <laughs> want to do that one. Yeah, we'll leave that one. Right, but I'm going <laughs> to jump onto one other thing uh, that, that you're kind of watching over. So I come from a golf background. And so you, there's one thing to have, like, good, I guess, endurance. And there's also, are you still practicing well? Because once you start getting to a certain wearing down status whatever you're doing you don't perform as well because your muscles won't let you and you and your muscles have zero intelligence you know that so when you start performing bad because you're tired do you start shutting people down a little bit to say look your kicking is not going to be as well you're not going to make these moves because you're teaching your muscles to do bad things just because you're tired is that a stair-step process that you look at so we we monitor the players on a daily basis so they have to complete a wellness screening every day and and that gives us a good indication of energy sleep uh, soreness all of those types of parameters and metrics where we can see on average when players dip or when players are feeling fresh and so when we go into a coaches meeting which we have on a daily basis that might affect how much we do within that day. So they're really important conversations that we have, but we have those systems, but I'm also a big believer of having an actual conversation with the player because sometimes they make mistakes and they put, they may be really sore and they're not, or they may be really tired and they're not. So yeah, and, and I think Kim is very, very good at looking at external factors. So when we travel a lot, when the days are really long in terms of what the players are expected to do, we will reduce the volumes and training and intensity, or we may go intense, but we may go short. So he's very good at manipulating those variables to allow the players to recover well. So whether it's we have to give them a little bit more of sleep, like a lie-in in terms of that, I think we're very good as a club and the club are very supportive in terms of, from a nutritional standpoint, you know, sleep and nutrition are two of the biggest factors that will help these players in terms of their professional standards. And the club are exceptionally good at supporting the players through providing them with optimal food, nutrition. Um, you know, when we're on the road or when we're in the facility, Chris and the staff in the kitchen are, are fantastic and the food that they, they make for you guys are... So there's no pork pies and uh, bacon butties? no sausage rolls, no <laughs> bacon butties. Well, there is bacon. Oh, bacon man. But only there's a few muffins. Some, sometimes, you know, I think it's uh, with anything, you can have some of what you want, but you can't have all of what you want. Yeah. You know, and as a professional athlete, they're the things, again, where you have to decide, are you making the right options? Okay, you can have a cheap meal every now and again, but you just can't have it all of the time mm -hmm. because you have to be performing daily, weekly, monthly. So... Absolutely. I, she's got to go to bed. Yes, yeah, she's got to go to bed. we got to win. The grandma has to go to bed. Okay. So Is that okay, that grandma? Yeah. yeah. Is We're this good. past your bedtime? Okay, I just want to make sure. I do have a question about, um, this sort of goes with the recovery standpoint a little bit, or just sort of, I, I've heard 
I guess first of all, do you guys like watch Netflix and just chill when you're like recovering? Like, is that sort of helps? Like, I'm I'm envisioning people just sitting I'm on the not couch. Not sure sorta. you can say that. Mm. Not sure I can say that. No, Netflix and chill. I no, think oh, no, okay. I meant Netflix and sit on the couch and watch the movie. You're okay. Yeah. Shows you how out of There's touch anonymous I am. phone line for those types of things, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what's I guess sort of the Netflix choice right now that everyone's watching on the on oh, the club? It has to be Stranger Things. I'm on season four be. of that right yeah. now. It's so good. Yeah, and it's to the point where you have to go. Have you seen the new part? You like the the, fir- the one that started on the first uh, of July? No, because then you can't <laughs> say anything. So it's like where you at? Where you I at? I finished episode seven last night. Yeah, it's, it's intense. It's great. It's good. Um, and then I know this just from NWSL. There's a coffee culture off the wazoo sure within is. the club, within the league. What's the coffee shop of choice in Louisville for you, Gemma? Mine is Quills, hand us down. How did I know that? I know. They I did? Know. Oh, yeah. it's, for me, it's the best coffee. You know, It's one thing I've struggled with, I'm not going to lie. Coming from Liverpool, so many independent coffee shops, so... Um, a hard one to please, but Quills. But you know, Quills is right across from my uh, favorite pub to watch the Reds play, right? Yes. It's right across the street. I took a visit there last time yeah. when we came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Molly's is right across I the mean street. If you yeah, that Quills. Uh, yes, I mean, yes, you yes. if you go on a daily basis, there are any number of racing players in Quills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any number. I mean, if if please and thank you also in the a great cookie, yeah, oh yeah, they're okay. so good. But, but so Julie, good. do you like how they would get a please and thank you cookie? Is that allowed? I, I'm going back to the. <laughs> Hang you on can have some. Of, do, you can have some of what Tuesday. you want. You can have some of what you want, but not all. <laughs> so we do a trivia Tuesday. So the staff usually do trivia on a Monday night, and Twad will come in the next morning with a little paper and she'll keep it close so no one can see it, and everyone's like, "What's the trivia question today?" and I mean, some of the questions we're never going to get. But it'll be like, list the 10, there'll be 13 possible answers. But you have to get 10, and they all have to be in the right order. And it's something that, I mean, the team usually do pretty well, but she's pretty strict. She doesn't, like, mm. let anyone, she doesn't give any clues away. So there's always, like, donuts, cookies you can win, like, if we get them. And we, oh, we have to, we have a 15-minute time limit, but we have to do our exercises at the same time. So it's kind of like... If we're getting too well, she's like, come on, you need to go back and do your exercises. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, are these right? They must be right. No, she's she's looking nervous. Like, we must be getting close. But I think there's only maybe one time we've actually got... No, you've won, you've won, won twice. You've won, won twice. One, one twice. of them was we had to list the last 10 Champions yeah. League winners. So this was my error because we actually didn't go to the Wikipedia trivia. Is also we wrong. didn't go to the trivia that night. So we had to try and create a round. And it was around the Champions League final. So... My question was, name the last 10 winners of the Champions League. In the right order. In the right order. And I was like, there's no chance. Half of them don't sometimes even watch football. They're never going to get it. Well, they only got it, didn't they? So it was like, today's prize, donuts. I was like, (laughs) 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 So that's the reason why we lost that game. They all ate donuts (laughs) before the match. Donuts. And then the other time, I was like, oh, we're going to get the cookies from, please and thank you. And then they made the cookies. They were great cookies. Yeah, though, I have or, to say. Um, we got mint chocolate chip. We got chocolate chip. Ooh, yeah, so they've got mint chocolate or, chip. Um, or no, athletic trainer. Oh, or athletic trainer and her team. boyfriend okay. had yeah. a bit of a cook off. So there right now. one yeah. made one and one made the other, and everybody voted for the so or, we d- we or are athletic trainer's treats. boyfriend's mm. cookies to be the best. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Tara. 
Yeah, so we are allowed. I mean, I think that's, I guess, another example within the within the group of a good kind of vibe yeah. um, amongst players and staff, you know. And as a professional athlete, look, you don't have many vices in life, do you? So it's you've got to have a little bit of a little bit of something every now and again, just to you know. Especially in America. So yeah. What What's the latest? This actually, you may want to cover yours on this one, Julie. What's the latest you've stayed up the night before a game at any level? Oh, um. You know <laughs> I see Julie's being with a massive attention right now. This I could will, be before Louisville too. Uh, I will actually say. The night before a game, I try and stay up as late as my eyes let me. Because otherwise I wake up at 6.45, 7 a.m. Every morning I don't really yeah, need I feel an that alarm. Pain. I feel so that pain. usually our games are at 8 p.m. And if you wake up at 7 a.m., it's a long day to wait. Yeah. I'll usually nap in the afternoon, but I usually try and stay awake a little bit later the night before just so I can try and have no alarm and sleep in. And if I make 9 o'clock, it's... It's great. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's like yeah. because you know working in uh, a hotel, you know they've got to be there old dark thirty, and yeah. you know, and on your day off, you say, "Man, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow." Nope. And guess what? Wide, Wide awake, old yeah. dark thirty. Same time every morning. Yeah. Yeah. Don't need an alarm. Yeah. Old dark thirty, you're wide awake. Yeah. So you do have to. I think one thing I've also learned since being here is any routines, any superstitions. I tell the girls, get them out the window. Because between travel, between food at hotels, between delays, weather, storms, yeah, you have to just be adaptable here. So, you know, whether it's the sleep the night before the game, depending on the kickoff, we could get delayed. Like last year when I got here, my third game, I think we were delayed for three hours before kickoff. We played a game not too long ago, I think, with a storm delay. Yeah. yeah, the Chicago the game. Chicago game. Was oh, that was yeah. mid-game. Yeah, it was a 70-minute 70 70 yeah. delay. Because yeah. um, you, you made me late to go to bed, and I need my beauty coma. I don't yeah. need a beauty sleep. I need a beauty coma. Well, that's the thing. You, you, have know? To, you have to figure a way to get through it at the time. Yeah. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, now I need to do this to prepare myself for the next one. Um, yeah. But yeah, long long answer to your question, but I try to stay up as late as possible. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So... I appreciate you guys' time, and I know I promised you that we'd get you out here um, early as possible. <laughs> but um, it's lovely talking to you, you guys, and Andy. I appreciate you you coming out and um, helping us out on this one. But uh, you know, Scouse's house is always going to be behind the goal. And actually, Katie Lund, she she broke my heart a few weeks ago. <laughs> Come on, tell the story. The game, I had to miss a game because the hotel was so busy, I had to stay at work. And she goes, I really missed you behind Scouser's house goal. Was she getting too much abuse? Yeah, I guess so. But she needed you to back her up. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, feel I was too. completely gutted. And I promise I'll try and never let it happen again. Okay. But, um, you know, thank you, ladies. Love thank you, you guys. Yeah, and thanks so um, much for having us on. It's been great. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we're going to have uh, a few more of you guys on here, and uh, you know, because we got to get butts in seats, we got to get Scouser's house full up, and um, the one thing I can always guarantee is right behind the goal when you guys are attacking the Scouser's house end, Andy's always there. You know, he's he's got his uh, box brownie and he's. 
yeah, the nice expensive camera that is way too I can't drop or anything, or else I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be allowed back to work. Is right there, but yeah, I'm al- I'm always at the sh- side that y'all are attacking. So so when you're you know I'll I'll, I'll be on your side. I think mm-hmm. that's yeah, okay. At least half the game, right? So the coin flip. Do you have a preference on which side y'all always go to if you have that option? I'm not giving my secret to Okay. 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 Heads All or right. tails. That's, a, that, normally, that's a good if you just call oh. it. Well, last weekend it's it was tails, US right? soccer or Carolina. <laughs> what? <laughs> the coin was US soccer or Carolina. So which one's heads? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Sometimes, sometimes it's a color. Blue wow. or yellow. Yeah. Depends. Depends uh-huh. who I'm playing if I like them, what color I go for. Yeah, see, have you, you ever had a referee not bring a coin? Because there was a famous instance, wasn't there, where that the referee was in the didn't? That the game I played in, and they had to do rock paper scissors. <laughs> no shit! No shit! There was a three. There was a game, right? That was. I think I played in that. Hey, game. You, you know what I've got for her? <laughs> Did not and I mean, that's another. You had story. to do rock. Okay, I'm, I'm going to right? I'm going to show you this. I wasn't captain. Okay. The, <laughs> the last Liverpool game was at, at Anfield. Yeah. I was. Uh, I had the best seats in the house. So I've got to show you the photographs of that later. But one of the things that I've held in my wallet ever since is, uh, if I can get it out, said the actress to the bishop. And the Oscar goes to. <laughs> I think you should take that on the field and have a uh, have them toss that coin. I'd be keeping this coin. I won't be sharing that with anyone. That's a special coin. That That's now your coin. No, no, no. No. I can't uh, take that. It's your coin now. It's been in actual hands of a Liverpool captain. Oh, that's a great coin. Yeah, so that is now your coin. And, um, you know, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Love you guys. And don't be a stranger because, remember, you never walk alone. Love that. I just have one request. Is that okay? You've only had one beer, Joe. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm not going to sing, don't you worry. Um, a second round. <laughs> so I, this is a bit of a challenge. I know. This is a bit of a challenge to the racing supporters. Ah, yes. Kay. As a huge, as Gemma and I are both huge, and you guys are both soccer football fans, I would like to challenge the racing fans to create some new songs. Not that the songs are bad, not at all, because the songs are fantastic and we love the, the support. But just coming from it, like it, I, I'm a huge Newcastle fan, or Newcastle fan, as I should say, um, just the creativity level of some of the songs. Mm-hmm. So I would like to hear, we've got a load of new players, players who don't have songs. This w- lady sitting right next to me has no song. Can we create some more songs to create an even better atmosphere in the stadium? Yeah. Would you like to give me a, give you an example? Go so right ahead. Are you going to sing now? All right. So, I mean, any of the, this could, I actually stole this from the Manchester City fans. The women. Oh, that's Manchester it. Turn everything off. Turn but, everything but, off. But this Manchester is also, City fans. but it's also a song that's been sung in every football stadium. So it's the Sweet Caroline song, but it can be sung. You can put, insert any of the strikers. You've already done that job. You okay. just get on with it. So, <coughs> my voice is terrible, by the way. Do you want to sing with me? No. So it goes, sweet Nadia, ba ba ba, racing's never looked so good. So good, so good. Yeah. Scores <laughs> all the time. And you heard this <laughs> first <laughs> on the Scouser's House Just podcast. Just like Beyond hey. Again said she would. So she uh, would. <laughs> hey, but. So there's the it. challenge, I get it, right? yeah, I like that. We want, okay, we want we're going to do that. You've Tell you what, you do it. There. 
heard that at Kiko's the other because night. <laughs> <laughs> because you, uh, you know they've, they've had me at, at the, the um, Louisville City games, and me and Hayden been down on the pitch, and we're going Louisville City and all that stuff. We want, we want Scouse. We want to hear you singing that song. Okay. But you can insert any. You could put in Jessica. You could put in Chidiac. You could put in... Gemma. Yeah. Yeah. Well... <laughs> you could put Julie in there. Gloss over but that I'm one. not going <laughs> to score. That's a problem. Yeah. Oh. So, um, did you know that we now have a Scousers House member playing on Racing Louisville's team? Did you know that? Yeah. The other guys, they can't, they can't boast that. You know, I know who it is. Do you know who it is? Signed last week. Is always, it, is it you? Always watched racing Louisville and Louisville City right from Scouser's house. <laughs> Do you know that? No, but I'm about to do the Jeopardy theme. I. I, I <laughs> Is, is there a hint? Is there a hint? Give us a clue. No, I'm not doing it. I'm going to make it suck. Like Miss Whitfield. I was about oh, to say okay. Alison Whitfield. Uh, yeah. Alison yeah, Whitfield. Because yeah. I saw her sister on Twitter. She was famous. Yeah, I would have. But, you know, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, she's, you know, Liverpool captain. I can't be doing that. So, so Alison Whitfield. Time, my mind's switching off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet they no one can claim that except for Scouser's House. That's cool. Fantastic. I will do it. Can't wait to hear it. I will do it. So, Friday, uh, you've got 24 hours. Friday? Okay. Hours. Me, 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 me. Y you heard me singing You Never Walk Alone in the Shower then, have you? I'll okay. make sure I record him singing it too, just so we have evidence that he actually okay. did it. Okay. Love that. I'll do so, it. Yeah. I'll do it. So, I'll do it. However, mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw down the gauntlet right here, right now, because we're getting into back to school. Right? Everyone's going back to school. I will do it if everybody that comes to the stadium brings back some school supplies that we can donate to the local schools in the area. Sure. What do you think? Love that idea. That sounds great. Okay? So I'll, I'll be what in touch with... What kind of stuff are we thinking? Like, just stupid like stuff like... Rulers, pens. Pencils. Sure. Crayons. Do people still use pencils? I do. I use oh. one today. He must yeah. make them a lot of mistakes. Right. <laughs> 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 I use one today. Is it like iPads and stuff now? That's what... Yeah. 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 Oh, you mm. mean the Apple pencils, right? <laughs> oh, those count. <laughs> those count. <laughs> what are these watches people have yeah. now? Because <laughs> I used one today and it kept on filling up the ceiling. <laughs> Don't tell the boss that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we can uh, get a collection from the club, yeah. too. From okay. The players so th here's the challenge for every deal. supporter that comes in. Bring your uh, back-to-school supplies to the uh, the stadium so that we can donate it to um, local need needy children. Fantastic. So. Love that. Okay. Thank you, ladies. Thank you Have a good much. night. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Andy, for your time. Thank you, Kenny. You never walk alone.